In our breakout and best-selling book, Looking for Angels, A Guide to Understanding and Connecting with Angels, Dr. Scott Guerin and I share how you can communicate with angels, understand signs from the universe and these celestial beings, feel at peace knowing you are always connected to source, and much more. Get your copy today at lookingforangelsbook.com, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or your local bookstore. And now you can even get the audio version narrated by me and Scott through Amazon, Audible, and iTunes. Hi, all. Nicole here. This podcast is intended to inspire you on your personal spiritual journey to inner peace. I am not a psychologist or a medical doctor and do not offer any professional health or medical advice. This applies to the podcast guests and or co-hosts. If you are suffering from a psychological or medical condition, please seek help from a qualified health professional. You are listening to A Psychic Story a podcast that shares behind-the-scenes insights of people who lead supernatural lives among the ordinary. And I'm your host, Nicole Bigley. Join me every Wednesday as I dispel the myths behind magic and lore. Welcome to A Psychic Story. Mysticism. Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of A Psychic Story, where I have on Carrie Kay. Carrie Kay had a childhood of severe illness, which led her to have many encounters with death. We're going to talk about many, many things in this episode. And I have been watching her content, listening to her content for quite some time. And I'm just thrilled to have you on, Carrie. So welcome to A Psychic Story. Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you. Well, I want to hand it over to you and start wherever you would like. But I know, again, you've a lot of your experiences started through childhood. So if you can just walk the listeners through what you experienced then, and we will get into many more topics. Perfect. I don't think anybody can say I had an ideal childhood, and I'm certainly not one of those people. My childhood was a very interesting place, fraught with a lot of illness, and illness really defined my childhood. I was permanently on the brink of life and death, and I spent much of the first 12 years of my life in hospitals and literally battling for breath, battling for every single inhalation and exhalation. Little did I know at that time that that was my greatest teacher, because what I was learning back then was to master conscious breath. What I was learning back then in a very difficult way was how to be present with each breath. And whilst it was absolutely my body fighting to stay alive, I look back now and I see the wisdom of coming in with that story, coming in with that illness, coming in literally with the inability to breathe fluidly and effortlessly. So I learned this fine art of getting present. Because when you can't breathe, you are there. You are literally in that breath. And nothing exists in the whole wide world. Nothing except the next breath. There is only 100% focus on 
And then you're kind of going, oh God, oh God, okay, I got it in. I got it in. I got that breath in. Now can I get the breath out? So again, I didn't know that I was learning presence. I didn't know that I was learning to master breath, consciousness, stillness, presence. But I look back now and I see the wisdom. I also see the wisdom in being afforded many opportunities to be in an invaluable space, which is right there between the brink of life and death. And if I were to tell you the days of the time that I spent there in that in-between state, where I could literally feel myself leaving my body and coming back in and leaving and coming back in, where I could literally talk to the angels in the room, where I could see the lights and be with them and then come back into physical form again. If I were to tell you those days, they would amount to years. And many people will talk about near-death experiences, but I I had much more than a near-death experience. I had a life of near-death experience continually. And again, I didn't know it, but at the time, that was teaching me how to go beyond the veil and who I was beyond the veil. Not just who they were, the beings on the other side, but who I was on the other side. And, you know, by the time I was 16, most of the very severe illness had passed. It was still a little bit dodgy until my early 20s. Most of the severe illness had passed. But I already knew, around about the age of 16, I already knew whatever I do in my life, it has to be with teaching people who they are as soul, who they are as spirit. It's never interested me to teach people who I am. It's it's enthralling, however, to me to watch the lights come on in somebody's eyes when they get a sense, just a vague waft of who they are as soul, as spirit. And then they breathe that into their body and their body gets supercharged with a new level of aliveness and a new level of consciousness. So even though I didn't know how the heck I was going to facilitate that for people, I knew at the age of 16, somewhere, some way, somehow, that's my path. So I just kind of made it through school by the skin of my teeth because I had no real interest in being there. I knew I wasn't going to study to be a doctor or an accountant. I got through school. And I started working as soon as I could with humanity, always with the focus on how do I show you who you are? How do I, how do I help you to see who you are? And in the backdrop of all of that, I had countless interactions with beings that I call the galactics. And these are beings who are fifth dimensional and beyond. And I think having spent all that time in that near death space, They became my great confidants. They became family. And not even they became, they are family. But I spent so much time with that family that even when I was well, the connection and the teachings and the relationship remained. And to this day, that relationship remains. And I I often share with my online community, you know, the Galactics always taught me this. The Galactics always taught me that. Because they, they they did. They were truly the master teachers that helped me to find me. And I feel like I had this incredible privilege. Yes, it was a difficult childhood, but it was an incredible privilege to access beyond the veil, to literally live in the realm of what we would call the miraculous. I spent years there. 
albeit fighting for breath, I still spent years there. And it gave me many, many, many gifts that I feel, I, w- I want to say it's my purpose. I was going to say duty, but that would have been the wrong word. My purpose to share that with those who are looking for it. I know not everybody is, but I suspect many of your listeners are. Absolutely. That's so incredible. I have several questions just listening to you. And one of them, in the best of your ability, can you explain how it felt or what you experienced when you mentioned being in your soul and part of who you are? I know probably everyone might experience it a little bit differently, but how have you explained what that's like? There's a there's a very sacred space that I love to introduce people to. And and when I describe this space to you, it's going to describe exactly what my experience is in my own soul. So I call this space the zero point zone. And I have a, a, a very special container, uh, an online community where I have exactly that. I have uh, an energetic room that people go into. It's called the zero point zone because I want everyone to have an opportunity to be bathed in the stillness. The stillness is the most defining thing about the space that I'm going to describe to you. It's a space that for a lot of people, when they stand on the outskirts of it, looking at this miraculous God space that I call the zero point zone, when they stand on the outskirts of it, almost in an insanity, people fear that space. And they fear for many reasons. They fear it because They don't know what it is, but they also fear it because it's infinite. And standing on the brink of something that's infinite is very, very intimidating and very, very overwhelming until you take that step over the threshold into that infiniteness where suddenly you are enveloped by peace that cannot be spoken and love that transcends all knowledge, love that transcends all words, all wisdom, all sense of who you are and all sense of what you thought love was in the supreme stillness of that space that from the outside could look like emptiness, you realize that you are in the absolute fullness of God, the absolute allness of God. And do you know what happens in that space? Everything is known instantaneously. And you know that you know everything and you know that you are everything. And there is, there's no questions. That's what I love the most about that space, that the peace is so loud and the presence is so still that nothing in you would even host a question like, ooh, what must I do about my next door neighbor? And what decision should I make about my new job? I mean, these things just don't even enter your mind. You just are. Absolutely. I've only experienced it once. And for people that listen, I'm not going to go back into it. But when I came right before I came to earth, it was looking back. If I, in my human self, it felt a little scary because I was everywhere at once and nowhere at once and connected and not separate. And just, and that was something that having that experience allowed me, guided me throughout my life because I knew that God source energy or feeling or whatever you want to call it, that oneness and that state. 
And so for you to have that several times and then also that connection with the galactics and building that relationship from the other side or the other side of the veil, we should say, and then now in your life, how is your connection with them? Is it because you had so many experiences that it's just easy to tap into it and them and communicate or explain a little bit about that and how that works? It's because I remember more of who I am than most humans do. And it's inevitable for everybody who is walking a journey of ascension. Remembering who you are is an inevitable part of that journey. And when that, and it's a moment, it it literally is, there's a moment for everyone. And they may or may not use these words, but they will certainly have this feeling wherein you go, I remember. It's, it's, it's a moment of being dumbfounded, awestruck, fulfilled, thrilled, and all-knowing. And these words, for me anyway, I had the words just tumbling over and over and over in my mind. The words were, I remember. And had you asked me in that moment, Kerry, what do you remember? I would have said, I don't know. Because it wasn't a linear memory. It was something, it was a knowingness inside of me that was ignited. And what it was, was the remembrance of who I was as a soul being. And for every human being alive, that remembrance is inevitable. And at the point of that remembrance, you see, you cannot remember who you are without remembering who your soul family is. And that's the magic and that's the gift in that you remembering who you are facilitates the reunion with your galactic family, your soul family, your cosmic family. And it's the conversations that come from that place are so natural and so fluid. And most of those conversations are nonverbal. The vast majority of them are, and, and I find this to be a great joke, the vast majority of the conversations that we have with our galactic family are what we would call telepathic or a psychic exchange, right? But the joke to me is this, that we think in words, but the galactics don't think in words. They feel in feelings. And to imagine, you know, to imagine that God or the universe or even the galactics, to imagine that they're going to speak in English, look, they can. They can because they're they're infinitely intelligent. They certainly can. But is English the language that the universe would use? No, of course not. Love is the language. And love is the language of consciousness. So as you really step into heightened awareness within yourself, you will become well-versed in your original language. And your original language will start flowing through you as a communication and being received into you as a communication. So in other words, this interplay and this interconnection between you and your galactic family is utterly natural, automatic, and it's part of you remembering who you are. It's very fluid. And I think that's why sometimes maybe people struggle, and I would love your perspective of this, but why sometimes people struggle of having a psychic experience or intuitive experiences, because like you said, it's telepathic. It's a lot of how we feel our emotions and beginning to recognize what is our emotions versus 
what is someone else's versus what are we picking up on that might be part of our spirit team or the galactics or or soul family. And so there's that exchange and even, you know, giving, getting thoughts in, in our minds, again, that telepathy or pictures or things, that's how they communicate with us. And so that's been my experience, at least in working with people and how, you know, it's evolved over time. Is that what you mean through the telepathy and the emotions? Definitely. And, and learning, the great learning here is learning to transcend the chatterbox brain, learning to transcend the limitation of thought. Because, you know, if you think about it, school, which most of us started very young, four, five, six, school began the conditioning of making you a left-brained linear thinker. And in that process, we became, in a sense, locked into only one way of being in this world, which was thought. So we began to think ourselves into being, and we began to relate to ourselves as thought instead of relate to ourselves as energy. That's really powerful. And yeah, that, that, but that's what we are here to rekindle and reignite. It is, wait a minute, who am I? Because for most of us, we've lost touch with that essence, energetic presence of who we are, the self that transcends the linear thinking mind. That's the true self. And, you know, most people get so stuck on words and affirmations and conversations and teaching them to go beyond thought is often a a very, very deep and very difficult part of the spiritual journey for some people, not for everyone, but for some people because of conditioning. It's hard to break out of that when you've been programmed or conditioned and to think, see, that's another word. It's it's not even think, it's to feel another way. It's to experience a different way. I almost said it, all right, even from my own conditioning and programming. Yes. And also why I find it so important, as I'm sure you do as well in watching your content, your videos, is why words matter so much and the definitions of things in the sense of, again, we try to define certain things so much. And yes, we need certain words in order to communicate through language, but it's really about our presence and being aware and conscious and taking taking certain things in and looking at it from different perspectives, I find. Yeah, absolutely. And, and even feeling it, you know, we spend so much time thinking and analyzing that it feels almost like a new skill set as if you're exercising a new muscle that you haven't used before when you sit in the presence of a feeling. You see, most people, for example, in the presence of discomfort, what most people do is they think about the discomfort and how can I resolve the discomfort? How can I get rid of it? How can I chase it away? How can I turn it into something else? In other words, how can I fix? What's that solution external of me? Exactly. Yeah. And, and, and learning to be in the discomfort is a mastery, literally a mastery. And there are people saying, yeah, but I want spiritual mastery. I don't want to be in the discomfort, Carrie. I don't want to be in this annoying mess of my life right now. Not realizing that that so-called annoying mess of their life is an imperative learning in their mastery. And when you can master discomfort, you can master love. When you can master chaos, you can master peace. 
That's where it all begins. Can you be where you are without looking to fix it? Instead, being in full acceptance of where you are and even full connection to where you are. That is the birthplace of mastery. In a way, it's easier. Do you know that in a way, it's easier than most people think it is? But if I were to be more accurate, I I wouldn't use the word easy. I would rather say it's simpler. Simpler, yes. But simple, simple doesn't always mean easy because the brain is wired towards complexity. The brain wants overcomplication because it always thinks it's working. And we're always, you know, we're, we're so ambitious. We always want to work. We don't want to be lazy. So we create complexity thinking that that's proof of how very not lazy we are in the world, of what hard workers we are. Look at me, I'm not sitting on my laurels. I'm thinking and thinking and look at me, God, I'm working at finding a solution. Instead, discard all of the complexity and the chaos and that aptitude and the propensity towards analysis and just be in the unknown. If it's with discomfort, great, be with discomfort. And the amazing thing is what you'll find is that that discomfort cannot maintain itself when you step into presence. Discomfort fades very, very quickly, as do all dense energies. All dense emotions fade very, very quickly when you align yourself to stillness, to presence. You watch how these things peel away, fall away, cannot maintain the structure of their density when you are in union with your own higher consciousness. That's part of the simplicity. Yes. And that, and that's that vibration and frequency of love of which we all came from and which we're all connected to. Yeah. I had a download a couple years ago, especially when doing sessions with people. And, and this is what you're talking about as well, to some extent is that I just heard when people ask about what their purpose is, it's about being in that vibration and frequency of love so much to that extent that you're just trying to return to it, return to it, return to it. So when you're experiencing those quote unquote moments of discomfort or those lessons or whatever it is that you're going through, to your point about being in presence and being in oneness and being in that state of love and frequency, it, there's no choice. The universe has no other choice. The situations around you have no other choice but to match that vibration frequency and or dissolve or be transmuted. In essence, then you're in flow. And to your point about simplicity, when I say to people, that is your purpose, to be in love and to be in that state, people are like, but what? What? That's it? <laughs> it's not easy because when you're going through life, you still have those things, but that is exactly what it is. Now you can add on things or maybe your soul did when you, before you came here about things you want to accomplish on top of that. But for the most part, that's it in the simplicity of it. Absolutely. And, and, and letting go of the propensity towards complexity, towards overthinking, letting that go is huge because so many people have their identity tied up in that complexity. Who am I as a a mother, a daughter, a husband, a friend, a coworker, a colleague? Oh, this is my, all of that. Yes. It allows your identity to be somewhat dissolved from the ego. All actually not somewhat, it is dissolved from the ego and going back to who you are as a soul as a soul being, right? Exactly. And and it's isn't that an amazing question to ask? Like if everybody asked themselves that question, who am I without this complexity? 
Who am I without this struggle? Who am I without this insecurity? Whatever it is that each individual is working on, what an amazingly powerful question to ask. Who am I without this? And whilst you may not have an answer, what you'll have is a feeling, a feeling of potential, a feeling of your potential, a feeling of your own expansive nature. And that's what we've got to get back to, to our potential our expansive nature, back to who we are as beings of energy, beings of spirit. Literally, that is what we are. We are beings of spirit. And it's questions like that that really help to connect people with who they are as an energy field. Yes. When people ask me just that, which is, well, then how (laughs) do I get to, it is exactly that. It's more feeling. Do you feel compassion? Do you feel empathy? You know, I'm not trying to lead people to a certain state, but it is really, it is a state. It is a state of being. And oftentimes the way we get there is through the emotion and or understanding the energy behind it versus again, the terms or the definitions that we've defined ourselves as such. I would love to go into, you've mentioned ascension. And there was one video that I watched, which I was so fascinated by, where you were talking about ascension and you had a choice through the ascension process to come back and do this work that you're doing now or stay. Can you explain a little bit about for people what ascension is if they're not familiar with it? And then what did that look like for you? And are all people on the ascension track or not? A good question because. I feel like this is ultimately the purpose of life, the purpose of not just life, but why we are in this life at this time, because we're here on planet Earth. And I think to varying degrees, everyone knows this, that we're here at a very critical time. Whether a person is religious, whether a person is spiritual, something in them knows I'm here on this planet at some ordained time. It's not easy to be here right now. But it's ordained nonetheless, because this is an ascension window. So ascension is a cyclical event. In other words, it's something that happens every few thousand years. But there are cycles within cycles within cycles. So what I'm saying to you is there is a 6,000-year cycle. There's a 12,000-year cycle. There's a 32,000-year cycle. There are cycles that are hundreds of thousands of years and cycles that are millions of years. And every time we get to an ascension window, we can be guaranteed that there are going to be some people upon the planet who will have the capacity for love, have the capacity for connection to pure consciousness and to who they are as pure consciousness. And that propensity within them will allow them to transcend the physical body and to ascend into a lighter version of who they are. So they remain in the body, but the body would literally transfigure. We know about transformation, right? But transfiguration is what ascension is. It's a phase shift. So kind of like ice can phase shift and be steam. It can phase shift and be water. Our body which we don't really think can phase shift, is designed to phase shift at ascension windows. In other words, at these ordained appropriate times. We are right now 
and an ascension window, which is the culmination of cycles upon cycles upon cycles upon cycles, which means this is massive. This is no ordinary little process whereby a couple of people on the planet might have the opportunity to ascend. Instead, this is an opportunity for the entire planet to ascend. And like every opportunity, not everybody takes it. Like everybody can be presented with an opportunity, which is exactly what's happening right now. Everybody's being presented with the opportunity. And and if I could put this opportunity into words, it would say, do you want to ascend into the fifth dimension where you are still you? Your name is still your name. Your physical features will look remarkably similar, not the same, but remarkably similar to the physical features you have now. But your state of being will completely be rewired in such a way that you will not be able to compromise yourself. You will not be able to operate in fear. Imagine that. Imagine it's not even a case of, oh, I don't want to be in fear. It's I can't. It's I'm not wired for fear. That's what ascension into the fifth dimension is. It is where the body automatically operates at a level or a frequency that we would call love, harmony, truth, unity, connection to self, to nature, to God, to all life. And that implies a reverence for all life. There's a a, a resounding, rippling peace that is almost wired into that fifth dimensional experience. So the opportunity is that. The opportunity is, look, life on planet Earth is coming to an end. And I know most people will hear that and go, oh my God, that sounds horrific. But it must. I think we can all see that. It's a perfect end though, because an end is merely the beginning of a new beginning. We must begin again. And that is what ascension is. Ascension is Let's start over. Let's start over and shift the rules of the game out of servitude, out of enslavement, which is where we were. It was a reality and a relationship within that reality of subservience and domination and control and ultimate enslavement that we were born into, that we normalized and called freedom, that we normalized and called by many names, none of which were ever true. That must come to an end, and that's a glorious thing. The opportunity is, okay, so do you want to go into a higher expression? Same body, same planet, same place, same everything, just a leveling up. Do you want to do that? Or for those who are going to say no, because either I'm not done, I'm, I'm, I'm not ready, I'm still playing, I haven't completed what I wanted to complete, fear is something that for example, I might still be working with. Forgiveness, for example, might be something that I'm not yet complete with. There are all these lessons I still want to master. So for those people who say no, no, at this point, thank you very much for the invitation, but no thank you, just just for right now. For those people who decline that invitation, they veer off at the point of ascension and they move into a fourth dimensional world, a new planet. And it's very ironic to me that so many spiritual people talk about new planet. 
I was hoping you would get into that, the 3D, 4D, 5D, New Earth, and then people thinking it's an actual, anyway, the whole physical part of it. Yes, it, it's very confusing because you hear so much misinformation out there. Purposefully so. Purposefully so. I think I think we need to wrap our heads around that. It's a bitter pull for a lot of people to swallow, but it's a very important truth. And that is that the spiritual community, of course, it had to be infiltrated. See, most people can look at the government and they can go, oh my gosh, it's so corrupt, isn't it? And, and that's, that's glaringly obvious. However, the ultimate corruption was in spiritual teachings because there was always going to be one group of people upon planet Earth that were going to be so powerful that they could shift the timeline, they could shift the course of events for the entire populace. And those were the light workers, the empaths, the spiritual seekers, the spiritual souls, whatever they called themselves, those were the power houses upon the planet. So they had to be dumbed down. That community had to be infiltrated with many false teachings such as, oh, we're going to go to a new planet we're going to call it New Earth, New Planet, far away from here, which is absolutely untrue. The new planet, so to speak, that many people, 4D people, will be going to at the ascension point, those are merely the people who will not withstand ascension in a 5D form here on planet Earth, because planet Earth is gearing up to return to her original blueprint, as are our bodies. That's what ascension is. It is the restoration of who you are as the essence of who you are. The personality that you're in right now is built on amnesia. It is built on the forgetfulness of who you truly are as a soul. So it is that that is ending. It is the amnesia that is ending. You're awakening, essentially. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. To an, an awakening to who you are the memory comes back online, which is why earlier I referenced those words, I remember who I am and how inevitable it was that every human being alive will go through their I remember who I am moment, however that shows up for them. So ascension is something that we are on the brink of. And so whenever I say this, people always say to me, when, 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 Carrie, give me a date, give me a time. And I think for obvious reasons, there is no date and there should be no date. And there's definitely no time because imagine if there was, imagine if I said to you on the 23rd of September, 2024, at two o'clock in the afternoon, Let's just make it CST. There you go. That that's the, that's ascension. Most people would go. Okay, so all I have to do is bide my time until that moment. They would stop growing. They would stop evolving. They would stop working. They would stop the clock. They would stop everything and just wait, which would ultimately derail ascension. So there is no due date for ascension. It's meant to happen exactly when no one expects it, exactly when no one anticipates it. So all I can say to you is we are in an ascension lifetime. We're on the brink of it. Personally, I would experience it. And when I say experience it, I'm saying I, I feel, I tune into the process of ascension and it feels very soon, like maybe a couple of years. It does not feel like 10, 20, 30, 40 years. It feels much quicker than that, much earlier than that. But that's my feeling. That's what I'm experiencing when I tune into Ascension. 
So back to the question you asked me about my ascension, I was really given one of the most profound blessings of my life. And like I've shared with you already, I've had many. I've I've really had many. And in 2016, I got to remember the future. So how this played out for me was almost in a meditative state, I began to bilocate into a future version of me. And in this future version of me, I went out onto the streets. Like I just walked out into my road and I noticed that there were a lot of people in the street and they were all disgruntled and fighting and having arguments with each other. It was quite chaotic. There was something going on on the planet at the time and it was pretty chaotic and a lot of division. A lot of people were very opinionated. And I wanted to shake these people and say, excuse me, does nobody see these waves of energy literally visible in the air. Now, I'm used to being psychic. I'm used to seeing things nobody else could see. I was very aware that this was very tangible and everybody could see it. But they were so busy arguing and so busy being right about their vantage points and viewpoints that they couldn't see what was taking place. And something in me said, oh, I think this is ascension. There were these beautiful, soft green waves of light, beautiful, soft green, soft pink waves of light. If you would imagine the aurora borealis and imagine it on the ground. That's kind of what it looked like. And I watched these, so fascinated by it, I watched these streams of light and I felt like one was going to just pick me up and I was going to kind of float on it, almost like a magic carpet. That's what it, it just felt so physical, real, tangible. And moments later, there was a burst of energy and the burst of energy came from within me. And I thought, what the heck just happened? Then I looked up at the sun and I realized, oh, it really is ascension because the sun had just had a mass ejection, the likes of which nothing on earth right now can even comprehend. What I'm describing to you is something that people call the event. People call this the ascension wave. They call this the event. They call this the mass ejection from the sun because that's exactly what it is. It's a micronova wherein the sun ejects such pretty much all of its coronal mass at the planet. Now, when I say that a lot of people will stop in their tracks and say, oh, Kerry, you don't understand. If that were to happen, nothing would survive. If that were to happen, the planet would fry except that is a signal for ascension. And that's why that big burst of light had erupted inside my body. Because that coronal mass ejection, that solar flash, signals the solar flash within your body and the two meet each other. And your body shoots out from your center, your body shoots out a light, a massive field I would call it a bubble of protection, but it's really, really massive. So for most people, this is the first time that they're going to experience themselves as a world, because that's really what it feels like. It's kind of like you feel as if you're a self-contained world. And inside that bubble, there is what I described earlier as the zero point zone, peace, love, you're healed, you want for nothing, you're in absolute harmony. But at the same time, you can look through the bubble, the bubble's transparent, and you can see, wow, there's some crazy stuff taking place on the planet right now. But the calm within me told me, oh, this is just ascension. This is just the transfigure. Moments later, my bubble was filled with the galactics who I know and love. 
And we had a long talk and it culminated in then saying to me, so you've done it, Kerry. You've done it. You've now ascended. And now you have a choice. And the choice is, do you want to go back? Because if you do, remember that this happened to me in 2016 and it was a memory of the future. So they said, okay, so if you go back, you're going to have to go back and wait for this to happen a second time. You're going to have to go back and walk through the timeline until the ascension point and undergo it for a second time. And that means that you're going to go back to 3D. Not even 4D, 3D. <laughs> when you're in 5D bliss and somebody says, do you, do, do you want to go back to 3D, pain, hardship, torment, etc.?" And I, I, I said, well, I have children. So it's not really a question. Of course, I'll go back. Of course, I will. And I also had a very strong calling, a very strong sense of my purpose being to prepare humanity for this. So I said, yep, I'll go back. Thank you very much. It was a tough decision to make, but I woke up. I literally opened my eyes back into 3D. I've never felt heavier in all my life. It does feel very heavy. Oh God, it, it, felt, it felt like my body weighed tons and everything felt so slow. And I was very depressed for a couple of weeks afterwards. But that was exactly what I had to work through. I got to see it. I got to live through it so that I could come back and tell people, you'll be safe. It's the most blissful experience. The planet looks a little bit chaotic whilst it takes place. But like you, the planet itself and all the creatures upon it are unharmed and ascended into the higher expression of you. We then walk out of the bubbles. And as we walk out of those individual bubbles, those protective fields that surrounded the bodies, as we walk out, we walk out into Eden. We walk out onto a planet which has no pollution. It has no remaining structures left of the old reality, including no remaining thought forms. We have our memory, so we can remember, oh my gosh, remember when this happened, remember when that happened, remember when we had presidents, remember when we had all of these systems, all of these political systems and all of this division, remember that. But that's all that remains is the memory. The frequency of the individual bodies is absolutely aligned to harmony, to healing, and to perpetuate harmony, healing, and love. That's how we walk out. It's exquisite. Wow. Wow, wow, wow. I could see all of that, not just the way you were describing it in my mind's eye. And I want to just go back a couple things just for people, if it's not obvious, when there's the discussion of 3D, 4D, 5D, the D is dimension. So that's what to keep in mind. Because what I was seeing was it almost layered, like split off. So maybe the 3D, 4D, the people that are experiencing, experiencing that dimension don't see or experience any change because they're in that dimension. The people through the ascension process, or I should say the souls in the ascension process are experiencing it because they've, they're at that point of awakening and consciousness and their soul's evolution that allows them to shift into that other dimension. And I hesitate to use higher because I don't like the terms higher or lower, even though they exist, but into that. And also what I was seeing is it's almost when you imagine 
new worlds, new universes being created through the black hole and the expansion. Because when scientists looked into our own atoms and protons and neurons, it was literally like universes, the way the structure was within each atom. So it's like, it's almost like this, that black hole out within, out within, that's how our energy works. So it was just beautiful to see. And you also mentioned timing a little bit, and this is where I would love to go next if, if it's cool with you, is you talk about timeline jumping and the way that you explain it is beautiful because I've always said time is not linear and we don't really have past lives and future lives as much as alternate lives. And I think it's hard for people to wrap their heads around, but it's also important to understand when you are a soul or spirit going throughout your spiritual journey to understand how time can be bent and how you can, I won't say manipulate it, but impact it for what you're going through. Can you talk a little bit about that or timeline jumping? Because you did do that <laughs> in essence with the biolocation and the ascension and then coming back. That's exactly, exactly what it was. And most people alive right now have experienced more timeline jumps then they could comprehend. And, and it's probably great that they don't intellectually sit and comprehend these things because it can be so mind-blowing and it can really challenge the structure of what we would call normal everyday life. So suffice to say, this is not such a phenomenon. This is more of a natural occurrence. We are wired. Like I said earlier, we are wired to ascend the body is designed to phase shift. We are also designed to move through time streams. And perhaps one of the nicest ways to understand time is to answer a question that a lot of people have about ascension. They say to me the following. They say, Kerry, it's not possible. I talk about many people ascending. And I can't give you a figure because even if I did, the amount of people that are sent, we're recreating reality every single day. But let's just imagine, okay, this is just an example. Let's imagine two thirds of the population are going to ascend into 5D. No matter what number I give you, even if I said 10,000 people, no matter what number I give you, there was going to be somebody out there who says, impossible, have you seen the nature of humanity? They're mean. They are nitpicking. They are abusive. They are narcissistic. They are liars. They are all of these things. How can these people possibly ascend? And then I bring in the understanding of time and I say to them, okay, from where we are today to where we are tomorrow and next month and next year, stop thinking of one second being equal to one second and one second and one second. Instead, start understanding that reality is beginning to spin faster, which means what I can do and understand in one second today is vastly different to the one second that I experienced 10 years ago. 10 years ago, for example, it would have taken me a couple of months to come to terms with a broken heart. It would have taken me maybe even a couple of years to come to terms with a broken heart. Today, it might take me two to three weeks, two to three months to come to terms with the same thing. Why? Because we are now able to absorb more light because the reality around us has already sped up and is speeding up, which means a second allows me to do more 
know more, be more, understand more, heal more than it did 10 years ago, even 10 months ago. And that's a quantum or an exponential occurrence, meaning what am I going to be able to do in one second in a year's time or in two years' time? If I'm speeding up every single day because we are, that's why life is so challenging right now. It's because of the speed up, because we are having to confront ourselves, our traumas, our blockages, our suppressions. We are having to confront that. It's all being flushed up to the surface because reality is spinning faster and faster and faster. And so based on that, what a person is going to be able to understand the levels of love, the levels of compassion, the levels of forgiveness necessary to facilitate ascension can take place in minutes or days when the reality around us is speeding faster and faster and faster and faster. So if we were operating in 1980 or 1990, I would say to you, yep, we got no chance. (laughs) But understanding now how reality speeds up, And how quantum the ascension journey is, it allows us to know, ah, this is how humanity catches that last minute wake up, so to speak. Now, if we understand that about the nature of time, that we're cramming more into a second, cramming more into a day, and therefore a month, a year, et cetera, et cetera, we begin to understand more about the fluidity of time. We begin to understand more about our own quantum nature. And how, when the reality around us spins faster, the body begins to absorb the momentum of the external reality, and it can begin to match that external reality and meet that external reality. So what we have the opportunity for is timeline jumping. And this is where, for example, and we're just going to give you one hypothetical example, somebody wakes up in the morning and they just feel different, but they don't know why. They suddenly don't care about the argument they had with their mother-in-law. They suddenly like curry, but they've never liked curry in all their life. They suddenly enjoy wearing jeans, but they used to hate wearing jeans before. Their taste is different. Their ambition has changed or is perhaps non-existent. Their depression has lifted. They used to have a bruise that wouldn't go away. And suddenly, wow, look at that. The bruise has gone away. In other words, there are many people on the planet right now who wake up different and they don't know why. Those very often are instances where somebody has experienced a timeline jump. We all have fast forwarded ourselves in ways that we would be dumbfounded and awestruck to realize. This is when reality then reshuffles itself around us. And we can, you know, I've described one very piddly, tiddly little example, but timeline jumping and even shifts in the timeline, this is something that is understood by cosmic beings. It is only human beings who have fragmented from their own cosmic quantum nature that experience time as sequential, one hour. If I want to know what's going to happen in 60 minutes time, I've got to work through the next 60 minutes to find what happens in an hour's time. Whereas 
the truth of who I am as a cosmic being, I can right now sit in my chair and I can reach and I can extend my energy field into 60 minutes time. And I can go, oh, that's what it feels like an hour from now. That's how psychics work. That's how all of us do what we do. That's that's why I went, mm, because I was just, that's what it means to do energy reading and tapping in. Exactly. Exactly. So this is more natural than we understand. And we are all wired to do this. And cosmic beings and galactic beings, this is their normal. This We're just catching up to who we are versus who we were conditioned to be. Because of course, who we, who we were conditioned to be was so disconnected from our miraculous nature and so enslaved by time. You see, I talk very much about the false matrix. The false matrix, which is the reality we were born into, is interestingly enough also known as the time matrix, wherein we became prisoners to time. And when we connect to our essence, the essence of who we are, that essence self transcends time. It transcends the veil and it transcends time. And then we are free. Then we are non-linear, non-limited, non-enslaved, and no longer operational as a pawn of the false matrix. How do people break out of that? I know that's a deep question <laughs> for towards the ends, but we you mentioned tapping in, being present, breath work, but how do people either do that to, I guess, more get within their soul and understand, but also from the timing, because our brains do kick in. The logic does kick in. And again, logic is that paradigm. But how would you recommend people can break free from that? We've got to learn some very important skills, and they've got to do with transcending the prison of our mental faculties. Because each prisoner of the false matrix, which is each human being that was born, has a wiring inside their brain that keeps bringing them back to linearity, keeps bringing them back to thought, which is why we spoke at length about that in the beginning. So the very important mastery is to learn to transcend the limitation of the thinking mind. And this is where, yes, breathwork is of primary importance because what it does is it allows you to come into that zero point zone, that sacred stillness, which is infinite presence itself. Now there's three meditations that I teach people. They're on my website and it's called the Deep Relaxation Trilogy. The Deep Relaxation Trilogy teaches people three things. Number one, how to relax deeply into the body because most people live in an unconscious anxiety. The second thing it teaches people is, okay, now you've learned to relax into your body. Now you can actually be present because I can't say to you, presence is how you transcend the time matrix until I can teach you how to get present. You get present by actually learning what relaxation feels like. Once you relax into the body, embodiment in terms of bringing higher consciousness into the physical space becomes possible. The second part of that teaching that I'm referring to, the Deep Relaxation Trilogy, is now that we can relax into the body, let's relax the mind. Let's relax the chatterbox. And I say to people, even if you have one second of stillness, that one second of conscious stillness is worth years. 
years of the Buddhist master sitting underneath a tree in meditation. That one second, knowing what we know about the quantum nature of reality, can you understand that that one second can be pure timeless presence that can forever ripple through your life and your energy field? The third part of that teaching is now you've relaxed the body, now you've relaxed the mind. Let's connect into the soul and relax deeply into the presence of the soul self. That deep relaxation is exactly what most people would say, I don't have time for. Most people say to me, I don't have time to relax, Carrie. Are you crazy? I've got to work. I've got a car to pay. I've got bills to pay. I've got kids to fetch from school. But, but, but it's crazy out there. Yet, that's the very thing, to learn to transcend the prison of the mind. So breath is a great part of that. Guided meditation is a great part of that. Learning how to be in discomfort is also a great part of that. Ultimately, all that I've just said boils down to, can you be in presence? Most people want to say yes, want to be in presence, but will really need a little bit of a guiding hand to help them get in there. And then once they are, then you can do it at any time, literally. I say pun intended. You can do it at a you know, flip of a switch because you once you're there, you understand how to get into it and you need the guidance less and less because you're empowered to do it on your own because you know how, which is really the ultimate goal, not to have to rely on someone or something or anything external of yourself. Because that would just be another matrix. The moment somebody is dependent, they are enslaved. So the key is once you've tasted that divine stillness, you know what it tastes like. You know what it feels like. And absolutely, as you said, you can draw it back in, draw it back in at any time and allow yourself to spend time in that divine stillness. And when you do, then you grow and you expand and you become more. And I think that's the purpose of teaching. Yes, absolutely. I mean, and the thing is too, that I just even doing this podcast, I look back from, gosh, almost four years ago, and I've learned the teacher is the student, the student is the teacher. We <laughs> we don't know all, but also it's just such a beautiful thing to, like you said, provide that insight and that initial guidance to get people to that level or to that state where they feel empowered to go on their own and do it. Because really, at one time when I was younger, when I was little, I remember my angel saying, we come into this world alone and we leave this world alone. And I thought, oh, that's so depressing. <laughs> what do you mean? But it wasn't because we're alone, we're feeling alone. It's because that love, that connection, that that feeling of peace is within each of us and all of us at the same time. But when we think about that as our experience and our journey, it was really about you. You are the light source within you tapping that within yourself. Carrie, I could talk to you for hours, but I want to be respectful of your time. I'd love to have you come back at some point if you're open to it. But you also offered for people that there's a, a code to give them 15% off anything in your shop. You had some recommendations about meeting your future self. You also talked about these three meditations for deep relaxation on the trilogy. That code is time for me and that's T-I-M-E-4, the number four, M-E. I'll put that in the show notes. But before we break, or not break, we say goodbye, anything else you wanted to cover off or share with the listeners and also how can they reach you? The last thing that I want to share is 
remember who you are. And you might say to me, but I don't, I don't remember who I am. And I would say to you, just take the words, literally the words, I remember who I am and pretend those words are a seed and pretend that in this exact moment, you and I have just planted that seed. And at some point that seed is going to blossom at some point and it may surprise you when it blossoms and it might surprise you to know that it's already begun to blossom just let that seed lie there knowing that it knows what to do and you don't have to go and bring that seed to life it's designed to bring itself to life so remember who you are that's what you're here to do in your human journey and where you can reach me is on my website kerryk.com Love it. And I will also share your YouTube and your TikTok, Facebook, Instagram, all the channels. But I do want to just one final thought as you were talking, I was receiving a message that came in. It may be hard for people, yes, to remember, but at the same time, how that shows up or how you experience is going to differ for each person. But I was feeling it within my heart or that heart center, almost like it just, as you breathe, it just is a click. And then there's an innate knowing where you receive that information. So if you're looking for, again, something external about what that remembrance is going to look like, don't look outside. I know we keep saying it, but just be present. And when you say remembering and remembering and who I am, who I am, it's going to be a feeling and an experience and probably an energetic shift from within you, whether that's physical or emotional or mental or all. But that is, that's what I was hearing. So just wanted to kind of end with that. <laughs> it's a non-linear, it's remembering in a non-linear, non-intellectual way. So that actually means allowing, to allow that memory of truth, that memory of self to just show up, to just blossom, because that's what it's designed to do. And this conversation will stimulate blossoming. Opening that gate, opening that door. <laughs> Well, thank you so much, Carrie. I appreciate having you on and would love to have you back on again. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to A Psychic Story. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode and join the conversation on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. All episodes are free on your favorite podcast player or at apsychicstory.com. Have a question? Is there a topic you'd like to hear more about or have a suggestion for a future guest? Send an email to contact at a psychicstory.com or leave a voicemail message at 1-800-880-1881. We'd love to hear from you and you may even be featured on a future episode. If you're interested in booking a session with me, you can do that directly on the website. And if you want to hear even more content hosted by yours truly, check out my other show, Supernatural Matters. Reminder that you are automatically entered to win either a free 20-minute intuitive or energy healing session with me if you leave five stars along with a positive review. Currently, reviews can be left on Apple, Stitcher, Podchaser, or CastBox podcast players. Don't forget to email contact at a psychicstory.com when you do, because it allows me to get in touch with you if your name is pulled in the drawing. Your name stays in until you win.